do everything you can to try to help somebody along the path. But if they're not going to help you move on, and too many managers spend too much of their time with the people that are problems. Maynard Webb has a long history in Silicon Valley, currently on the board at Visa and Salesforce, and formerly the chairman of the board at Yahoo. I'm Scott McGrew. Welcome to Sand Hill Road. I'm struck by the difference between Salesforce and Yahoo. Salesforce just built this enormous skyscraper in San Francisco. I think it's the second tallest building west of the Mississippi or whatnot. And Yahoo is now part of a company that is part of uh, Verizon. How are those two companies so different? You've been so deeply involved in both. How are those companies so different in outcome? It's pretty straightforward. I was just at the top of the Salesforce Tower. It's impressive and amazing. But Salesforce is the number one company in the hottest software space in the market in CRM. And Yahoo, when I joined, was the number three company in a very hot space. There is a big difference between being number one and number three. When you joined Yahoo, first on the board and eventually as chairman of the board, um, Yahoo already had its troubles and you had a pair of twos when you were dealt your poker hand. Why take the job as chairman of the board of a company in which you got a pair of twos as a poker hand? Well, I didn't take the job as chairman. I took a board member job because I believe in the Internet. And Yahoo is an iconic brand. And they almost bought, I, I was the former eBay COO, and they almost bought eBay in 2000. And, you know, there's a lot of good people and a lot of good technology still there. And I was willing to take a run at trying to help. Is it, it fair to say that you were not able to get those good people and that good technology where it needed to be? I don't think that's fair to say. I think it's fair to say we moved the ball further, but the other folks were moving so much faster, the leaders, and they were growing faster, that we had a situation where, which is very unusual, the biggest piece of our asset base by far was Alibaba. Hi, everyone. I'm Julia Borston. All eyes will be on Yahoo after the bell today as it reports second quarter earnings. And a lot of the focus of today's report is going to be on its Alibaba IPO coming up in August. Analyst investors are curious to know what Yahoo plans to do with the proceeds from the offering and how that could affect its business going forward. And that was growing so fast. And so all of the investor interest was not around Yahoo and the core business. It was around Alibaba. Yahoo, and how early to, uh, in its in its yeah. life, invests in yep. the Chinese company Alibaba. It becomes worth more. That investment becomes worth more than the company Yahoo. Uh, we sold we sold Yahoo for almost five billion dollars to Verizon, uh, and there were almost ten thousand people that went with that. The stub that was left was called Altaba. It's worth sixty billion plus now, <laughs> and there's like forty people there. <laughs> So a little complicated. So so is there some pivot point in Yahoo's history? Because I think I was I was counting that that when you became chairman of the board, they were on their seventh CEO or something like that. Yahoo constantly wanted to pivot to to figure out what the magic thing was, and it never quite figured that out. Was there some moment if you could go back in time and say we should have d- done X? Uh, so I think. For all the things we did do that got criticized, I think we weren't bold enough on some things. For example, 
they backed away from buying eBay in 2000. That could have been a very, very successful acquisition. They had an opportunity way before my day to buy Facebook. That sounds like it would have been it would very, have worked out okay. Worked out, out okay, and so, um, and I'm haunted by we had all of that cash and assets that we didn't do more bold things to not worry about getting tax returns back to investors, but to grow the business to be something different. You've been giving a lot of advice throughout your entire career to, to young entrepreneurs. I'm, I'm 51. I'm going to guess you're in your early 60s. Yes. Okay, fair enough. Ancient. Ancient. No, well, that's my point, though, is that why should anybody be listening to us in the sense that when I came to Silicon Valley 20-some years ago during the dot-com boom, the whole idea of Silicon Valley was we are going to change every paradigm. We are not going to listen to what our fathers and our mothers told us. We are not going to do what GE and GM did. We are going to break everything. Um, well, now we're the old guys. Uh, why should the young men and women be listening to our advice? Because isn't that the antithesis of Silicon Valley? I think it works best for me and for our network when the two blend. When we learn a lot from these young entrepreneurs that are coming in trying to change the world, and we can guide them and help them uh, and show a few things that they might not have seen before. And so um, it's magical, I think, to blend the two. And we, when we go to do investments, we look for people that are learners, that want our help. And if they don't, we don't invest because that's why we're here. We're here to help. Webb is sought after by venture capital and startups alike for his advice. He's codified some of that advice in best-selling books, Rebooting Work, and more recently, Dear Founder, Letters of Advice for Anyone Who Leads, Manages, or Wants to Start a Business. One of the things I think I've learned as I've matured is the idea of how you handle poor performers. You give advice about quickly handling poor performers. It doesn't I, get better with age, for it sure. It doesn't get better. And I think as a younger person, I used to think, well, we'll coach them along. We'll, you know, I was charitable in a way that I don't think I would be now. And and I think you say something to the effect of if you, if you move a C player to being a B player, you've not really accomplished much. Right. And if you move, uh, you know, Bs gravitate to As or they gravitate to Cs. So I'd much rather focus on people that are A players and help them be all they can be. And if somebody's not going to be able to do everything you can to try to help somebody along the path, but if they're not going to help you, move on. And too many managers spend too much of their time with the people that are problems instead of spending all the time with the people that are already great, and how do you make them even better? And your employees know who the people... With Automatically. I always they already say, know. Yeah. I say to, to managers, I, I say, think about the people you were in a department with. Can you tell me who the good ones and bad ones are? You know intuitively who you would hire and who you'd fire, and you're counting on the manager to fix that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's while it's not pleasant, Everybody knows who's performing and who isn't. Now, with no transition intended, Marissa Meyer, you hired her. What's your assessment of how she did? She's a, she's amazing. She had, you said, a pair of twos. It might have been harder than that. Um, she wasn't there when you got there. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It was like we had, it, it was very, very hard. And she came in with courage and enthusiasm 
Every day she made some bold moves like buying Tumblr and um, she rehired and re-energized the whole company. Uh, And certainly I hold her in extraordinarily high regard. Your book is Dear Founder. It's a collection of letters of advice to founders. What's the, the bit of advice you wish you had back when you had started? I would say when I need to, when you need to understand that anything is possible. I came from very humble beginnings and I probably, and I, and I've done well, but it took me a while to realize that that chip on my shoulder wasn't helping me nearly as much. And if I could just have realized that stay focused on doing things and don't let other people beat you, you know, tell you you're not intended to do anything special. I want to conclude with that, that humble beginnings. They were very humble beginnings. You were raised by a single mom and, and things were, were tough there for a while. Yes. My dad passed right before my seventh birthday and she was amazing, but we went from having a lot of reasonable life to, uh, no life insurance and no, no income. And, uh, things were tough for a while. So. Do, you ever, do you ever look back and think, my goodness, look at how far I've, be, I've come, a Silicon Valley? No, I, I think, I, no, not that much. Uh, I'm still trying to get voted onto the team every day, to be honest with you. And I think back and I think that it wasn't uh, as big a crisis as I felt at the time that my dad passed. In a way, I think I became what I became because I went through that. And so I'm... Uh, he didn't want to leave. He left. It was sad. Uh, but I've used that as a way to be fired up about changing the world a little bit more. I never thought I was going to be doing some of the stuff I'm doing. Maynard Webb on the board of directors at Visa and Salesforce and the former chairman of the board at Yahoo. Maynard mentions his parents. I probably shouldn't be surprised, but parents come up often in these interviews. If you haven't heard it already, take a listen to my interview with Keith Crotch on this podcast a few weeks ago as he talks about his father and the leadership lessons his father taught him. I'm Scott McGrew. I'll see you next week on Sand Hill Road. For more interviews with Silicon Valley's most influential entrepreneurs, check me out on TV at Press Here. If you're in the San Francisco area, that's Sunday mornings on NBC Bay Area and everywhere in the world on iTunes and at PressHereTV.com.